Hello and good evening Hampton Roads, Virginia and the northern area of North Carolina. Welcome to tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're listening to us at WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I am your host Bishop Hodges. This is the broadcast where we break down and discuss the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. You know God did design and institute marriage and the family to build our society on. Unfortunately, sin entered the picture and warped God's original design. Our mission here at Marriage and Family Clinic is to restore, build, strengthen, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. I do believe that your joy, your peace, your victory, your success in life even, are all dependent upon how you manage your relationships. Your most important relationship is the one that you have with God. And success with God means worshiping and submitting to Him in all things. And after our relationship with God, our most critical and important relationships are our marriage and family relationships. Again, our mission here at Marriage and Family Clinic is to help you heal, restore, build, strengthen, and even perfect your relationships. Again, I am Bishop Hodges. You're listening to us at 1350 on your AM dial, WGPL. And before we get going this evening, I just want to give a couple of shout-outs. First of all, to my G-babies all the way in Japan, Ariana Jr. and Alea. God bless you. I love my G-babies. want to also give a shout-out to a friend of mine listening to us on the peninsula uh, tonight. Hey, Mike, how are you? I hope you're hearing us today. All right. On last week, we started a question and answer session, and uh, we didn't quite complete it. Um, and I want to continue with that on this evening. Have a few more questions and answers we'd like to provide you. I think we're going to give you something that's going to help prick your heart, it's going to help steer your mind and touch your soul, get you thinking about another strategy uh, to help uh, strengthen and build uh, your marriage and your family relationships. You know, one thing that's crucial is knowing that uh, the tips that and the strategies that I'm giving for marriage and family relationships actually work in relationships period. Uh, there's a give and take, there's a reciprocity, there's a respect and a dignity that we give each other in relationships and that's what makes relationships work. Just that in marriage and in family we have the added quality of love. And so we want to talk with you on tonight and present you just a few more questions and answers. And before we get going in that, I want to also say that um, I, I have some write-in questions on tonight. And, and it just seems like that the questions that I've received are all coming from uh, women in our listening audience and the radio audience. Uh, so I want to say to the men, to the brothers out there, uh, I appreciate you reaching out to us also. And in spite of what we always say, you know, every time you ask a man how he's doing, you know what that response is automatically. I'm all right. Well, brothers, you know all of us are not all right. We've got issues also. And so I want to invite the brothers to uh, share and, and send us some topics of discussion also. All right, with that being said, let's move on into our questions and our answers on tonight. And again, I pray that something will be said to benefit you in your relationship. Uh, the first question says, I had a really good friend. We were actually dating during high school. We had been close for a long time, but we lost contact after graduation. 
we friended each other on Facebook and we chat often. However, my spouse feels uncomfortable and wants me to end it, but I don't feel like I should have to. What should I do? Well, if you're asking me what you should do, uh, you're asking the wrong person the wrong question. You ask yourself what should you do. But I do want to give you some information that will help you decipher and discern what you should do. Uh, you know, a lot of people curse Facebook and, and they curse and, and uh, uh, social media. But Facebook and social media, they're only tools. Uh, their use is up to the person who controls them. So Facebook and social media, they're not demons and they're not the bad guys. How you use them. And too many of these types of relationships that you're describing, uh, they're about trying to recapture some past feelings or, or some unfulfilled unfulfilled desire, excuse me. Uh, these types of relationships that we stare up on Facebook with old flames from high school, uh, you know, something we didn't close out back then, something we didn't accomplish back then. We had some persona that we want to recapture. Uh, 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 we even have present emotional voids. Uh, that we have. We, we've got past memories to deal with. We've got feelings and we've got all kinds of experiences uh, that we deal with. And we're looking for someone in some relationship to provide us affection. We can exchange affection with to uh, fill the void. And, and sometimes we're even discontented with where we are in life. We're, we thought we would be somewhere else by now. And so we're discontented about where we are. We, and then we end up trying to live vicariously through these relationships that we establish on Facebook and social media. We exchange affection there. We really don't have any desire to, or maybe we do, but we don't have any intent to commit adultery. But it's something similar to emotional adultery, if you will. Uh, in a case like this, you really need to be honest with yourself and admit what it is that you're trying to recapture or, or admit what reward you're getting out of it. You, you've engaged in this relationship. You've got this back and forth going on. You're getting something out of it. What are you really getting out of it? You're going to have to be brutally honest with yourself. You're going to have to look in the mirror and really ask yourself, challenge your thoughts, challenge your feelings. Try to understand what you're after. What am I getting out of this? What is my reward? What am I after? Am I trying to recapture something that I lost way back then? Am I trying to recapture some old feelings? Am I trying to recapture my youth? I don't look like I did then. I don't have the same juice that I had then. I have a few more pounds now or, or my spouse takes me for granted or I feel like I'm not recognized in this relationship. So I'm looking for that affection to feel this type of void. You're going to have to ask yourself, what are you really getting out of it? And then you need to start working on accepting yourself for who you are and where you are right now, not trying to relive your glory days of high school. And to be honest with you, not many of us really want to go back to high school. Uh, this type of honest approach, this type of courageous approach to the matter will help you see that you're not behaving in a way that builds trust in your relationship now. And believe me when I tell you that trust is the basis for fulfilling relationship. Whether it's your marriage, whether it's your siblings, your parents or friends, whatever the case may be, 
trust is the basis for fulfilling relationship but if you're going outside of the relationship looking for uh, uh, emotional fulfillment and looking for affection that you're not getting in the relationship you're going to destroy the trust and before you know it the relationship will totally dis disintegrate now now I'm not saying that that uh, every old relationship has to be cut off that's not what I'm saying that there is a way to do things but the key is to update your emotions this is the way I like to put it you need to update your emotions be transparent with your spouse and and don't share affections with others that belong to your spouse what do I mean by update your emotions? I mean you have to make sure that what you're feeling is the result of a present day experience and not something that was old. You're not trying to relive the past, but it's a present day experience. What do you have in common with this person today? Not what you all had in common way back when not talking the talk that you talked way back when but what do you have in common today update your emotions and be transparent with your spouse don't share affections with others that belong to your spouse and if you do choose to maintain a relationship with another person other than your spouse it should be again based on commonalities that you have now and your spouse should be free to be a part of that relationship you cannot afford, you cannot afford to have relationships outside of your marriage or outside of your relationship with your significant other that your partner, your spouse, or your significant other is not free to be a part of. If you have relationships like that, then you need to question yourself about your idea of what's going on here. If you do this, you'll probably come to the right answer. Most importantly, your relationship must be able to fit in your marriage without intruding on your marriage. Again, if you have a relationship outside of your marriage that your marriage partner does not fit in, you need to question that relationship very seriously. And remember above all what God said in the Word. Above all, forsaking all others, cleave to each other. So whether the question is concerned about relationships on Facebook, any other social media, with people that you had in your high school, are you trying to recapture something? Are you really leaving and cleaving to your spouse? All right? That was a good question. I really appreciate that. Uh, and here's another good one. Here's another good one. Um, this writer says, My spouse and I just don't seem to agree on much. We argue over little things. Disagreeing, challenging, and just being contrary seems to come easy. What can we do to help this? Well, what you're describing here, if you look at it, if you step back and look at it, you'll probably see that you're caught up in some sort of a cycle. And this is the result of us putting negative interpretations on some of our communication. You know, whenever you're in a, uh, a group setting or a seminar or workshop or whatever, you ask couples there, what's the most important thing in a marriage? You always hear communication. Communication. Because more often than not, one spouse will say something 
and the other spouse will interpret it to mean something that was not said. And we have a habit of putting negative interpretations on some of the communications that we receive. And we seem to automatically fire back something in order to defend ourselves. And, and what happens is we start this cycle and that becomes our M.O., as they say on police shows on television. That becomes our motive, modus operandi. That becomes the way that we communicate. We have to go through the negative before we ever find the positive. And we get caught up in this vicious cycle. We can go through this for so long until the conflict becomes second nature almost. And the reason it continues and we can't seem to get off that merry-go-round is because we lack the ability or even the will or the desire to step outside of ourselves and look back at ourselves. We lack the will or the desire. We lack the know-how to monitor ourselves. We've been on this merry-go-round so long that all we know is I have to defend myself. I have to defend myself. I need to defend myself. And that becomes the way that we operate. So it becomes our second nature in the relationship to defend ourselves before trying to understand what's actually being said. We're unable to put ourselves in check. And I wish I had time, I don't have time to talk about it right now, but that's all rooted in some sort of a fear. And when we see that we need to be put in check, we don't put ourselves in check because we want the other to give in first. You know when you're wrong. You know when it's going to go downhill. You know when you let something out and you shouldn't have. And instead of uh, trying to retract it, or instead of apologizing for it, instead of trying to smooth it over, we'll let it go because we want the other to give in first. That's all about fear. But when we try to make sure we get ours, we're acting out of fear. I'm going to make sure I get mine in. I'm going to make sure you hear me. And again, that's how we end up on that vicious cycle on that merry-go-round that we can't seem to get off of. And when we try to make sure that we're heard rather than hearing our mate, we get on that merry-go-round, we get in that vicious cycle, and it's all downhill from there. You know where fear is concerned, you'll never, you'll never escape the tormenting power of fear fear. You'll never escape trying to make sure that you are loved until you learn to trust God to love you more than anybody else. God is the only one who can love us perfectly. He's the only one who can love us in the way we deserve to be loved. He can, he's the only one who can love us in the way that we want to be loved, the way that we need to be loved. You will only escape the fear when you're able to trust God to love you. And when you're able to trust God to love you, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know deep in your heart, and your mind is fully persuaded that God loves you, you won't have to go into a tit-for-tat with your mate. You'll learn not to interpret everything your mate says in a negative way. You can trust again. You can feel again. And you can hear and try to understand rather than trying to force your mate to understand you. And we don't have time to go into these in an exhaustive way, but I hope that means something to you. All right. 
All right. Well, let's see what we have next here. Let's see what's next. Um, well, while we're looking for our next topic, let me say that you are listening to us. This is Marriage and Family Clinic, and you're listening to us on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I am your host, Bishop Hodges, and I'm glad to be here with you tonight. I appreciate you listening to us. We'll be here every Tuesday evening from 6 to 6.30 p.m. Listen, I really would appreciate it if you would inbox me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges, or send me an email, cdhodges at hotmail.com. Let me know you're listening to us. Let me know that you hear us. Give me some feedback. You may have a question. You may have a comment. Something may have touched you particularly. It may have made you think of an instance or, or an example of something that's happened in your life. Or you may, be able, you may have a, uh, a, a tip that will help me. Send it to me. Let me know. I'll be glad to receive it. All right? This is Marriage and Family Clinic right here at WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. Listen, I've got a question here that I really believe is going to go to the heart of so many of our issues. The writer says, and I'll just paraphrase all of this, I just can't seem to stop being angry at my mother. It's all about how the mother treated her during childhood. She was mean, too strict, made me work too many chores, too harsh with punishment, etc., etc., etc. I know probably every single one of us can identify with that. The early curfews, not being able to date or not being able to go out or, or so forth and so on. Uh, she basically didn't allow me to have a childhood or enjoy anything. She didn't participate in my school activities. Now I resent my mother for treating me this way. Come on, be honest with me, somebody. I know many of us can identify with that. And in responding to this particular query, first thing I want to tell you is I want to encourage you not to think that you're in some sort of a lonely minority. Don't think that you're the only one who's ever felt this way. You experience, your, your, your experience here, your, your feelings, they're common. This is what so many of us experience and so many of us have spent so many years trying to get over it. Many children grow into adults that have conflicting feelings about their parents, be it a mother or a father or mother and father. For one reason or another, or even multiple reasons. Parents just don't fit our expectations. And when we look back on our lives, it's so easy for us to find fault in our parents. And, 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 and just in case we run out of time here, one thing that I really want to tell you that uh, 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 you're going to have to work on yourself and forgiving your parents. I want to get that out real fast, just in case we run out of time. You're going to have to work on yourself, and you're going to have to work on forgiveness. But let me deal with it just a little bit more before we get to that. The anger we feel in adulthood is not an emotion that's based on uh, how we read the situation looking back. Or, or let me say that again. The anger we feel in adulthood is an emotion, but that emotion is based on how we read the situation when we were children. How we thought about it and how we experienced it 
when we were children. In other words, as children, our parents are the most unreasonable beings on the face of the earth. And as children, we interpret our parents' actions towards us as uncaring and they're being selfish. They're not taking care of our feelings. They're not taking our feelings into consideration. They're not treating us fairly. And the list goes on. You know what I'm talking about. We even interpret, interpret their different treatment of siblings as loving one more than the other. So in short, I'm telling you that as children, we have the wrong interpretation. Talk about negative interpretations. We have the wrong interpretation on our experiences. So what I'm saying to you is that whatever happened in childhood, we interpreted it through the eyes and the understanding of a child. And the only way that a child can understand anything is through the eyes of their own self-interest. To a child, it's all about me. I'm the center of the universe. And when you hurt me, you hurt me deeply, and it's going to last. And it impacts me for a long, long time. I carry those emotions. I carry that hurt, that disappointment, that disillusionment into adulthood. And it shows up in all of my adult relationships. The truth of the matter is, most parents did the best that they could or the best they knew how. A parent, a parent who is literally abusive to a child, uh, that's not commonplace. It's not commonplace. Parents who don't have knowledge or parents who lack experience, parents who get stuck in situations that they can't handle, now that's normal. That is the normal. Imperfect parents are normal. Your parent was imperfect, that's normal. So often our parents have children when they're young and they're not ready to be parents or they don't know themselves well enough and they pass on their dysfunction to their children. Again, for the most part, they are doing the best that they can. You should try and look at your mother through the lens of grace because imperfect parents are normal. Try looking at your mother through the lens of she did the best that she could. I remember a lot of years ago, I was angry at my mother. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, you can stay angry and live in defeat, or you can forgive and live in joy. I chose to forgive. I started seeing my mother through the lens of grace, and so many of us have this testimony. I saw her through the lens of, I ain't perfect either. Excuse my English, but I ain't perfect either. And you're going to have to work on your perception of yourself, you're going to have to work on your perception of your parents and any other relationship where you're having problems. You're going to have to work on your perception of you to begin with. Because whatever it is you're holding against your mother, however angry you are, however long you remain angry, however long you carry this anger, it will never make you whole and you have probably, if you have not, you should have learned by now that being angry doesn't fix your issue. Being angry doesn't settle your issue. The only way you can be made whole is to first of all maximize your vertical relationship. That's the one that you have with God. And then work on your horizontal relationship, beginning with your relationship with yourself. Your life is going to be heavily impacted by your relationship with your mother. Your life is going to be heavily impacted by your relationship with your mother. 
but your wholeness is not dependent upon your relationship with anyone else. The one sure way to be whole is to get your relationship with God right and then get your relationship with yourself right. I mean, after all, you're still here. And so often for so many of us, we have these issues, we have these anger issues, we resent our parents for the way that we treat, they treated us in childhood, but so many of us have grown up and we're doing better economically and financially than our parents. We, 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 naturally speaking, we are no worse off. We have problems in our relationships, but that's because we're emotionally hung up. That can be fixed. That can be fixed. The one sure way to deal with this and to live a fulfilling life is to quit holding your mother accountable for your hurt. You know what that means, right? As I said earlier, that means you have to forgive. Oftentimes we don't forgive believing that we're solving some problem or we're accomplishing something or, or, or we're getting somewhere uh, because we don't forgive the other. We believe that we're holding some kind of a power over the other individual. But is there anybody out there like me? I found out that when I didn't forgive a person, they were living their lives happily. They had gone on about their lives, but I was still stuck in the bondage. I was still stuck in a hole thinking that I had some power over them. I read a quip somewhere that said, unforgiveness is allowing someone else to live in your head rent-free. Let me say that again. Unforgiveness is like allowing someone else to live in your head rent-free. And I don't believe that's the life that any of us want to live. So the key is going to be to forgive. You're no longer accountable for the way that I feel. I'm an adult now. I have control over my choices. I can choose to hurt. I can choose to be free. And I can choose to forgive. I can choose to love. I can choose to hurt. And if you take responsibility for your choices, you'll get over your anger with your mother. If you take responsibility for moving forward in your life, you'll get over your anger with your mother. If you will look in the mirror and examine yourself, you will get over the anger with your mother and anyone else in your life for that matter. You can't stay there. And I think that's such an important word for so many of us in the listening audience today. It may not be a mother. It may be a friend who hurt us. It may be another family member who hurt us. It may be someone else that we trusted who hurt us. If you're going to live a fulfilled life, I want you to know something. That there is nobody in the world who can pay the price for your wholeness. In other words, if you're ever going to be free of this pain, healed from this pain, if you're ever going to be able to look back at that situation and not be hurt or angry or disillusioned over it again, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to release people from accountability for hurting and disappointing you and bringing disillusionment to your life, no matter how bad the hurt was, because that's the only way you can be fulfilled, because 
nobody can pay the price of your wholeness. Nobody can pay that price but Jesus Christ. There's nothing that can ever happen. There's nothing that can ever take place that will make that situation like it never happened. You've got to trust a divine source for that type of healing. But I'm promising you, I'm guaranteeing you that as you give it to Jesus in prayer, He will heal you. I said He will heal you. And you'll be able to love again. You'll be able to love purely. And so many of us testify now that when we did give it over to the Lord, we learned to love our parents. We learned to love those who hurt us. Yes, you can love the one who hurt you. It, it's a must. It, it, it can be done. You can love the one who hurt you. Not just in word, but in deed. Not just in mental ascent. Not just saying the words. But you can experience the love in your heart. Why? Because you no longer hold them responsible for your pain. You came face to face with your pain. You decided you wanted to be victorious over your pain. You gave it to the Lord. You released the one who hurt you of responsibility and accountability. And you decided to move on. That's the way you get over that past hurt. That's the way you deal with it. And frankly, frankly, if we were going to be better by holding other people accountable for our hurts or, or holding other people or blaming our present predicaments on others, if it was going to make us better, it would have made us better by now. I'm sure you agree with that. It would have made us better by now. We would have been healed by now. We would have reached our goals by now. But it hasn't worked. And the wise man said, if you keep on doing the same thing, you'll keep on getting the same result. And that's the definition of insanity. I'm not calling anybody insane. Please don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, if you want something different, you're going to have to do something different. You can't continue to hold or think you're holding someone else hostage when all you're doing is holding your future hostage by living in your past. My goodness, I, I really hope that means something. I really hope that jars your thinking, that stirs your soul. Uh, I really hope that uh, uh, touches you in a deep place because you're not by yourself. And I believe that all of these questions that we're dealing with, and I think sometimes it's so important that we take time to deal with questions and answers because this is what's on people's minds. This is what's on our hearts. And my theory here is that our success in life is based on how we manage our relationships. Your, your relationship with God is most important. Then your relationship with yourself and your relationship with your family members and your spouses, your husband, your wife. Those are most important relationships, most critical. And how we manage relationships will deeply impact our lives and determine our fulfillment in life. And if you want to live a fulfilled life, work on these relationships. 
Some of you may have been in bad places in your relationship. You took it to a pastor or, or a mother or a father figure in the church and they told you just pray about it. But you don't know how to pray. And one thing I'm trying to share with you here on Marriage and Family Clinic, I want to help and try to expose some of the things that motivate us, to expose some subconscious thoughts and feelings. I want to try and help bring to surface some things that are driving us, some things that make us tick, and we're really not aware of them. So to give you an idea of what to pray for and how to pray about it, that's what we're trying to do here in Marriage and Family Clinic. And I believe that as we do that and as you listen in, we will be successful in it. All right? Hey, listen, I'm out of time here. But again, I thank you for joining in. You've been listening to us on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I am Bishop Hodges, and this is Marriage and Family Clinic. Listen, inbox me at Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. Email me, cdhodges at hotmail.com. Let me know you're listening. Send your questions, your answers, your comments. Let me know if we're helping. Send me some pointers. We want to hear from you. Looking for you next week, same time. Until then, God bless you, and remember, you can't have peace without surrendering to the Prince of Peace. See ya. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> where you at? I'm stretching it out. <laughs> <laughs>